back to another episode of Memories of Ice, Podcast of the Fallen. I am your Malazan veteran, Nate, and I am joined by Matt. I'm here. This is a weird episode for us because this episode is going to be only chapters 7 and 9. And for chapter 8, we are recording with D&J's Epic Quest on that chapter. Uh, so you can go see our thoughts about chapter eight there it's a fun one yeah i'm excited and we're doing this seven and nine in two parts then because of that so yep so we're recording chapter seven tonight chapter eight tomorrow with them and then chapter nine the next night yeah and then matt's going out of town so then i won't get to record or talk about malazan for like two weeks no you won't be able to think about your roman empire just oh, I'm, I'll be thinking about it. I just won't be reading it or talking about it. That's true. I mean, you could reread book one and two for fun. Nah. <laughs> I can only go through the pain of the chain of dogs once or twice a year. I'm not doing that to myself again right now. I know. I guess we just jump in. Let's do it. Why not? Chapter seven. Carnatus or Carnatus. Not sure how to pronounce that. The Destrian of Fenner stands on a tower in Kapistan, thinking of the defense of the city and the politicking Rathfenner. Itkovian, the shield anvil, informs him that Brucalion, the mortal sword, wishes to speak with him. Itkovian leaves with two companies of soldiers to ride against the Panion Domen and possibly demons. Carnatus opens communication with Quickben, commenting that he senses 12 souls contained in one. They talk about Brood's plan and decide to reconvene later. It's revealed that the contact with them was anything but accidental, and that Quick doesn't believe that their titles are real. Itkovian leads 30 soldiers through the south gate of the city, including a new recruit. They come upon huge talon tracks and follow them, find that it is a Kachain Chamal. They attack it, and Itkovian's horse is killed along with 20 of the soldiers before they kill the Chamal with ropes tied to horses. Prancholl shows up with 10,000 Talane mass, and they destroy the other four. Itkovian tries to send the recruit back to Kapistan, but she refuses and shows him strength. He calls another soldier to ride back with an IMAS escort and report to Brucalian and Carnidus. When Itkovian mentions the Panion Domen, all of the IMAS turn to him, and Prantrol reveals that Panion is a Jagut word. Tok sits alone by Baeljag and wonders at his traveling companions. He is granted visions of Baeljag wandering lost before an elder god touched her and sent her into a dream world where she was a mother and leader. Tool returns with hairs for dinner and name drops the title of the book. He explains what his name means and gives Tok a new one. Errol fail. Tok is pulled into Treach's mind, knowing that this is a vision of the present. Treach tracked Kachin Chamal and was mortally wounded. As he lays dying, he thinks of a memory of seeing a one-eyed wolf on a ridgeline and what happened to the First Empire. An eye mass with a panther skin across her shoulders appears, destroys the Chamal, and holds Treach as he dies. The woman approaches the camp and it's revealed to be Kalava. She suspects an elder god is shaping these events and the god speaks in Tok's mind, telling him that Kalava seeks redress for an ancient wrong and that it will send Tok into the seer's embrace. Tool is distraught after Kalava leaves and Tok comforts him. Lady Envy arrives at Kalos, a city of 30,000 inhabitants that have all been slaughtered by an inhuman fleet from the sea. She speaks with Kroll in his temple in a basement. They discuss the Segula, the last chaining of the crippled god, and the effects of the loss of Dasim Ultor. Kroll also reveals that anyone that uses the Warrens travels through his blood. Itkovian and the Grey Swords come upon Beauchelaine and Corbel Brooch. One of the Bargas is dead, along with someone else. Brooch attempts to speak with the Imas, but is struck by Prantrol, and Beauchelaine asks if the Imas hold grudges. 
Brucalian and Carnidas meet with Prince Jalarkin, who tells them to find him leverage. After he leaves, Ikovian's outrider introduces them to three Talani mass who inform them of what has occurred. They wish to investigate the Panyan seer, and Brucalian says that the seer is indeed an old human man. Brucalian is visited by Gethol, a Jagut and Hood's herald. He offers the Grey Swords out of a way out of Kapistan by changing their patron god to Hood. Brucalian responds by slicing Gethel across the face with his sword. Gethel prepares to attack when the Talanaimas appear to challenge him. He is pulled forcibly back into his warren. Gruntel wakes up and hears that Harlow is dead. Karuli approaches and Gruntel tells him to go to Hood. I took notes this time, actually. Like, hey, let's go. A, a mini summary of sorts. I and mean, I got you... halfway through and then I forgot to do it on the train. So we'll see. Nah. But well, that's a lot mean... more fresh. You did mention to me at work today that you started chapter seven last night and then all of these new names and titles were being thrown around and you left it for today. I Yeah, I read, I think, the first two pages and I thought, I'm too tired for this. I probably should just go to bed and start this in the morning because as soon as I saw all the different names, I was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, even even me who's read the books a lot, I still don't love reading Belazin when I'm tired. I feel like I miss out on a lot. I know. And then just some of these names, like the ones you're even trying to pronounce. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I'm like, no wonder he just writes the shield anvil or whatever in the master sword. It's so much easier. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I did want to point out kind of the epigraph for all of book two. Uh, Book two of Memories of Ice, that is. I really liked it. Uh, This is called The Road Before You. And it's... uh, Midnight comes often in the dusk of my life when I look back upon all that I have survived. The deaths of so many for whom I cared and loved in my heart have expunged all sense of glory from my thoughts. To have escaped those random fates has lost all triumph. I know you have seen me, friend, my lined face and silent regard, the cold calcretions that slow my embittered pace as I walk down the last years, clothed in darkness as as are all old men haunted by memories. A good one. It's just really cool. It's a comment yeah. both on getting old and uh, kind of what soldiers go through. Yeah. No, I was definitely thinking that where it's like, I mean, it's brought up a little later, but he's like the the noble or royal Talana Mass. He's like, yeah, we're definitely not that. And he's like, well, I guess our definitions are different. <laughs> but it, it kind of reminded me of that where I was like, if you live the life they have, I could definitely see how they're like. I don't know why you'd consider us noble. It's not exactly like we're the, you know, we're kind of just killers in a sense. Like we became who we are so that we could continue hunting and killing people. So. Yep. And Kalava even gets into that with Treach a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Treach says something. We'll get into that later. We'll get into that. But no, I I definitely think it ties in quite well with a lot of the the themes of immortality and, you know, things like that and perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so we got a few confusing names. Um, yep. A few confusing titles, but I did recognize one guy. His name's Fenner. He's oh, a, yes. He reminds me of a, something from a previous book. Yep. He, from, he's a boar god. From a little known uh, priest who may be blind and without hands. Mm-hmm. Seems like a minor side character though, this god. Yeah, I mean he's nothing important is gonna nothing happen important. to him. Not at all. But uh no. So this structure, just so I'm thinking clearly on all this, I was mean to ask, 
So in Capstan, Capsustin, Capistan, yeah. Capistan, the Gray Swords are a mercenary group, and they and that are they a group under Fenner? Yes. So okay. earlier in the book, you had they talked about the Gray Swords in the council with Brood and Dujek Mm. and them. That yeah. So they're they're a mercenary company that the prince has hired to get around his laws that prevent him from having a standing army above a certain size. Okay. And they are so they're a mercenary company, but they're also kind of like a holy order dedicated to Fenner. Yeah, because that's why I understand them. Their leadership is the the shield person, the sword person, the other person. Yep. The what I always said was destriant, but apparent apparently the way uh the way Erickson says it is destriant. Destriant, that's right. Destriant. But I might still say Destriant because it's easier to say and Erickson doesn't care. So you've got Carnidus, the Destriant. You've got Itkovian, the Shield Anvil. And then Brucalian is the Mortal Sword. Mortal Sword, And, that's what it is. and we will learn more about what those titles mean later. And I'm not going to explain too much about them right now. Okay, I figured as much, but I was just trying to wrap my head around the organization of it all. Yeah. Because it's like, it drops you once in, once again. Here is this other area with 20 new people. Yep, Good Erickson luck. lets you Erickson lets you sink into some familiarity with characters that you already knew, and then Krupp and Cole show up, and you're like, "Oh, this is nice." And then he's like, "Ah, here's a whole new city with I don't know. all of that." Okay, so this opening scene though, this is where they're kind of like discussing. Is this where Quick Ben comes into play at the end of this? Yeah, he comes into play at the end of this section. In previous chapters, Quick and Whiskey Jack have been talking about. Like, have you have you heard back from that mercenary company yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then there's a on the mast council of Capistan, which is a council of priests that have pretty much equal power with with the prince. It seems like there's Rath Fenner, and Carnidus is thinking I could like kick him out so quick if I revealed what my true title is, but Brucalium won't let me. Oh, because he's a uh, he's like the the priest of Fenner. But the group is like the the legit people of Fenner. Yeah, it says something like Rath Fenner is has ambition to become the Destrian of Fenner, but Carnidus already is. Yeah, I love their language too. <laughs> they they're so polite and call each other sir all the time. Oh, I know. I noticed that as well. Like anytime I read them, I'm like, these guys are like all like the the nobility of mercenaries they're like yeah they, they're so they're professionals formal mm -hmm. they have some class like whenever i read them i keep thinking i'm like this sounds more like a a royal army than a mercenary group like the one line like tis the boar of fenner or something like that yeah that's so good and then erickson just i guess that's in the next section but i'll bring it up now erickson's just, just throws in some little details about places that make you go, I want to know more about this. Like the prince's palace is like Yeah. not man-made and its walls are way too thin and mortar doesn't stick to it. So they can't add additions onto it. And then the first settlers in this area of Kapistan like buried their dead upright in like coffins that are standing up so that their dead Oh, can yeah. walk forward in the afterlife
Yeah, and then uh, the Daru came in, right, and just settled in, and just they're not ones to leave, so they just stayed. They stayed, and then there's camps in the city that were probably actually camps at one point. And then because of the different people, because of the Kapan people and then the Daru people coming in and settling, you've got these two distinct cultures just clashing all the time. Yeah. What I keep thinking is so cool about all these different cities and stuff is it talks about like it references like the different accents and things like that throughout the whole thing or like he spoke with like a in a different manner i don't know or like they'll switch to like daru or things like that or the elder tongue i just keep thinking how cool it'd be like there's one of those things where i'm like this is a pretty cool world where it'd be cool just to like be and like just kind of go through it like and just go through different scenes like and have an, an actual audible experience It'd be pretty cool to hear all these different like ancient languages and just like the different accents they have and kind of the blend of it all. I think that'd be it's a it's a cool detail I like because I mean I think languages are cool. So it's a lot of cool notes I've noticed throughout this section. Yeah, for or just sure. This chapter in general, I think. That just reminded me of something because Erickson, despite pointing out that they are speaking fictional languages, still throws in puns in English. And it reminds me of Tolkien's explanation of it is that, okay, everything was everything that you're reading has been translated from a different fictional language and adjustments have been made so that you understand the jokes and things in English. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Just adjustments. I didn't even think about it that have way. Been made. That's interesting. That's a cool note. So, yeah, then Quick Ben contacts them and Carnitas is confused by the sending. By the sending? Or by Quick Ben communicating. Oh, yeah. Quick Ben's communication. Because he, he senses a dozen souls. I know. They keep bringing that up. I wonder why. It, it might be important. When will I get my explanation of all these details? I hope someday. <laughs> I, I want to tell you when so bad. I know. Like I was thinking about earlier, I was like, there's so many times I want to ask you, like, all right, so when is this going to happen? Or like, well, I like what book or like what chapter? And then I'm like, no, that'll kind of ruin the fun, though. Some of it, if I know too much like that. Well, but I don't think it would hurt this time. You might get some answers about Quick Ben next chapter. I knew I had to come sooner rather than later. All right. I hope I'm not alone in this, though. This scene felt like a launchress to me a little bit. What do the you Quick mean? Ben scene, because like the orb, it talks about like a floating orb as the way to communicate. Am I wrong in thinking of that that way a little bit? So, so it is an orb, but then it like widens out to yeah, and they're actually they're looking at each other. Okay. Initially, though, when I was reading it, it's probably because I was tired, so I didn't notice entirely. But I the thought that crossed my mind was Elantris immediately from Sanderson. I was like, the magic orbs of communication or whatever. Should I be the elitist Malazan fan? How dare you communi- How dare you compare Malazan to Brandon Sanderson, even though Sanderson said on a live stream last night that he's read Malazan and loves it? See, guys, he's not a bad dude. He loves Malazan as well. Can't we just all be friends? No, we can't. <sighs> so tough. Yeah. No, I thought... I I think it's pretty cool, though, that he... Quick Ben, instead of introducing himself, he, like, gives his full name... And I'm always like, where did you like the name just sounds so strange to me. So I'm always like, where that ha- that can't be the standard language or something. I don't know why. 
Oh, but, Quick Ben's name? Yeah, like his full name. Oh, Ben Adafon Delat. Yeah. Like, that sounds like it has to be from a completely different area. Like, that's not, like, it never sounds like any of the other names. He's a mystery. I feel like we're a little disjointed right now. I'm a little tired. Oh, no, you're good. It's okay. Um, anyways, Quick Ben starts talking with them. Uh, I think he intentionally tries to insult them by calling them a bunch of overpriced sword hackers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we learn that each soldier is schooled in the sacred scriptures. They're their own temple with acolytes numbering 7,000 and the number grows every day. And then Brucalian makes a comment like, yeah, Kapistan is only half armed because they have these weird arcane customs that don't let women fight. And we later see uh, how, why they definitely don't think that's a good idea. No, I think it's pretty cool, though, that their whole group is like based on like like you have a moral philosophy, a religion, and like you try and be a disciplined member of that. And that it's not just just shenanigans, you know, of yes. Yeah. I mean, a huge part of their religion is war. Yeah. And killing people. But they do it with class. They do it with class. They're polite yeah. to each other. They're polite. They're swords for hire, but they're the classy ones. Exactly. I mean, yeah, at least at least they're not like they have no morals or anything. They're like they you know you know what you're getting out of them, I guess you should say. Yeah. And there there's even talk about like, okay, so at what point is our contract suspended if the city gets taken and it's clear that they're they're gonna stick it out yeah. even if things go south. So that's respect there. Um yeah, but back to the not letting women women fight thing. I I love just these offhand lines. Erickson's like, yep, I made a fully like gender equal world. Yeah. And it's not it's not in your face, which I appreciate as well. Like some other series I've heard of where it's kind of in your face. Oh, Wheel of Time? Yeah. Wheel Wheel of Time is not gender equal. Wheel of Time is the females no, are the I know, but that one's very in your face as well. Oh, yeah, the gender dynamics are very in your face throughout all 14 books. That's what I do appreciate about this so far. Like now that you mention it, it's like it's very much anything like that is just doesn't matter. Because I think as well, it's just because there's so many different like cultures he's built into it. That's like you could kind of see like, oh, they believe this because of this. That's why they're not doing this type of thing. Or, you know, they're all going to do this because of this or yeah. Yeah, it's but. just like, yep, it's weird that women don't fight, so we're letting women fight instead of being like, see, here are all these strong female characters that I made fight. I'm going to show them off to you because I'm proud of myself for putting that in my book. I don't know. Lauren was kind of weak, honestly, though. She she kind of kicked the candle earlier than I thought she should. Oh, Lauren. Maybe they shouldn't have women fight then after seeing her. Bad joke. I mean, all right. Yep, bad joke. <laughs> You've seen what Absalar can do. There's there's the counterpoint. There's the counterpoint. You can see what uh Bellison is capable of and her sister's capable of. Yep. Who else? Uh Tattersail ish. That one's like kind of an iffy I mean, one, I think. The Empress. That's true. I totally forgot about her. Because what what you forget is that Lacine founded the claw. So Lacine is very capable on her own. She is the claw. The master claw. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's much more to their meeting with Quick Ben other than they decide like, hey, let's meet again later in the middle of the night to discuss more yeah. things. No, it was a it was a slower start, just like how we're having a bit of a slower start. Yep. <laughs> but uh the next section is the the traveling with the one dude, the Oh yeah, Incobian. Shield Anvil. That's yep. his title. Couldn't tell you his name, but I know his title. I uh I really like that his so one thing that Cobian does do that is kind of explained here is he's the leader of like their army side. Mm-hmm. So he like comes up with tactics and things and he's like, Yeah, I need to be a scholar and a military guy because uh, he says from histories and philosophies and religions comes an understanding of human motivation and motivation lays at the heart of tactics and strategy. Yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. I love the description of the training of the recruit that they don't like harp on her or anything. It's like you learn or you don't. Yeah. No, I, I, I noticed that as well. And I really appreciate that kind of it. It was a refreshing take on recruits. I think because you see too often like the, the, the pridefulness of the veterans of they're like, Oh, you're just a recruit. And I'm like, I, I really thought that was cool to see. Like you're here to observe you're not necessarily going to fight. You're just going to train yourself mentally and walk around with the gear to get yourself used to it. And if any fight really does happen, like we're kind of here to do that. Yeah. We'll take care of you. Yeah. So once again, the very noble mercenaries. Yes. <laughs> um, And then they come up on the talent tracks. Did you catch on that? It was the Kachin Shamal right away. Oh, obviously. I'm like, here we go again. Jurassic Park, take two. Let's see what happens. What's going to happen is they rip it apart with lassos. I thought that was so cool. I'm like, yeah, you lost 20 guys, but at the same time, the whole cowboyness of that, I'm like, that was pretty cool. Like, we got it. And then three more come in. They're like, oh, we don't got it. <laughs> yeah. Horrid Covian's horse, too. Gets its back hooves chopped off. Always the horses. I always feel bad for them. Someone else's horse in front of him gets chopped in half, too. Those things are gnarly. And Kovian freaking pulls his reins to the right as he jumps to the left so that the horse doesn't roll on top of him. All the minor details, I was like, wow, that was an epic scene. But uh, so how tall are these guys? I was trying to remember how big the the Kachain Chamal people or not people. I don't even know like how intelligent they are, but. I mean, it's mentioned a little later, but uh, they are around ten to twelve feet tall. Okay, so they're yeah, they're as big as I thought they would be. They're they're raptors. You, well, I guess I guess recently we've learned that raptors from dinosaur times were smaller than we thought. Yeah, but... so it's more. What's the mix between a T Rex and raptor size? Because a T Rex isn't actually is a T Rex twelve foot tall. I don't know. Let's see. Because if it was to scale in the movie. In the Jurassic Park, I mean, that's the only thing that's coming to mind. Then it's probably a bit shorter, a little bit shorter than that. T-Rex felt... could be up to 40 feet long and 12 feet high. Okay. So maybe they're about the size of the raptors in Jurassic Park. Except mm-hmm. though, I don't know. Jurassic Park, we should not trust as a reference for how big dinosaurs actually were. No, we shouldn't. But I was just trying to think like that's the only thing that kept coming to mind of like in terms of scale. <laughs> Which, I mean, I think they did a decent job from what I understand, but I haven't looked into it, so 
anyways Yeah, I don't really know. but uh yeah and then we get the sweet i think by the end of this chapter i thought the talana masks were so cool just by the end i was like okay these guys are pretty sweet like i'm excited to see where this the the group goes Yeah, so Pranchol shows up. Pranchol We get that's his his name reappearance. yep was he at the prologue Uh, yeah, he's in the prologue. okay Yep, same one that helped give birth to Silver Fox in Gardens of the Moon. silver fox In what was Krupp's that Dream oh in Gardens of the Moon. i'm totally blinking on i was like what's a silver fox <laughs> i was like <laughs> uh there's too many names i can't keep them all track that's uh fair. I was like Silver Fox too. I'm like that sounds so familiar. What Pokemon is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, this is not good. I don't know. Anyways, so the Anyways, Talani must show up and destroy the Chamal, and this might give you an idea of how dangerous they are. They kill sixty, or they destroy sixty of the Talani mass. yeah, but the Talana Mass are immortal, right? Like, can they rebuild themselves? Uh, not that I am aware of. It's like they I get think. destroyed by one of these guys, Well, and it's game yeah, over. because because if you remember in Dead House Gates, they walk at one point they walk through a forest that has like Talani masks growing out of the trees and stuff, ones that had been destroyed. Mm, okay, yeah, that's right. And so they could still be they can't be killed, but they can still be chopped up into pieces and scattered and not. Yeah. Still alive, but they can't function. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because I was like, they're mortal, though. sense that's pretty gnarly of like them to live that long and that's their demise is reanimated change them alls I really love after the attack the attention that Ekovian pays to the recruit because he's like, yep uh-oh, did this break her? Did I just, like, destroy her future? you know But she uh, she steps up. she does now there's a quote here somewhere that Yes, I really like I'm looking for it, too. It's not the one I'm looking for, but I do like that Ekovian says, the Kapana are foolish people to deny freedom to their women. The truth of that is before me. And then she just goes, I'm I am not unique. Yeah, kind of just saying like, yeah, no, this is just kind of who we are. No, uh, maybe this is the quote you're thinking of, but uh, it says, uh, Recruit, I trust you have not deluded yourself into believing that witnessing the destruction of more could change them all will silence the cries within you. Soldiers are issued armor for their flesh and bones, but they must fashion their own for their souls piece by piece. Yep, That that's was such what a I cool was looking line. for. The the effects of war are a constant theme. And again, another echo of Felicent's quote that armor can hide anything, but it or anything armor can protect. What's the quote? Armor can protect anything until it breaks. Even a child, especially a child, something like that. So, yeah, there's a there's lots of thoughts of trauma in these books. It's almost like it's a theme. I wonder, is there a lot of themes in this book? I haven't picked up on any. It's just been a very No. fantastical adventure of different people getting into rebellions and wars. No, no themes, none of trauma, none of motherhood, nothing like that. No, not at all. Man, I wish Erickson would write something with some themes. It'd be kind of cool of him. Other than the dry sarcasm. <laughs> I thought uh, Yep. they could change Hamal's. Is this...
Is this the part where they talk like a just a, they touch on the backstory of them a little bit? Because they Yeah. said these are the hunters and they come from something else. They're specifically Or like... chosen by, yeah, chosen children of a matriarch bred to battle. Uh, these Okay. ones are undead. And then they come from Morn, which is where Talk woke up earlier in That's the book. right. And Yep. he saw all he saw all those barrows and something had clawed their way free. Now we know what that is. That makes sense. Yeah, but that's like that's all we know of them, right? Like the they haven't said anything more. Yeah, that's about it right now. Uh, and then we learn that the word panion, as in panion domen, is a jagut word. So cool. I was like, heck yeah. It kind of sends chills down my spine when I think of Ikovian saying that and all 10,000 undead beings just turning to stare at him. I know. Like, it's almost like anything jagut is like a trigger that they just immediately zone in. Well, we saw it earlier in the not earlier. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but when you get when they're meeting there and the one Jagut comes out of the warren from Hood and then the three pop up behind him, they're like, We sensed a Jagut. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts or theories on that? Um I I think it's one of two ways. Um Okay. he is I mean, by the end of the chapter, I, like my two theories, I think were obviously it's a jagut kind of in the background running everything, um, working for one of the gods or just on his own, um, and is like one of the a jagut tyrant that hasn't been seen in millennia or whatever, if that's a thing, um, or it's just you know a god playing through some men and they pick Panion to just do it for funsies. To get the Talana Mass involved. <laughs> because he's like, hey, guys, we got this plan. So they're going to go to their gathering. They're being mortals again. And we're going to take them all out. oh there you go Which which is uh, one of my little more thought out theories. I put a little effort into that one. Could be entirely wrong. Probably is entirely wrong. But i like both theories so those that's are good the two. Or the third, it's a kid who came up with the name and it's from a different language. And they just rolled with it. But <laughs> yeah. the seer just randomly came up with his name that matches exactly Exactly. a word in this other ancient language. I mean, stranger things have happened. I don't have anything more about that. I don't either. Okay, we've got talk sitting by the fire by Bale Jag. Get some visions about Bale Jag. Yep. The ancient memories. Yep, wandering lost before Elder God saved her. That god was cruel, is what I gathered. Am I wrong? Uh, it doesn't say specifically, Thought it but was. yeah, but yes, it was cruel. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, like, seeing Talk's perspective, finally kind of him reflecting back on what's happened to him, of, like, how Hairlock sent him through, and then he woke up a few months later. Like, it was kind of just nice to see that again, and, like, Yeah, his he's whole perspective on everything. he's not a huge fan of what happened to him. No, and I, I mean, I don't blame him, but uh, like I kind of like reading through, I kind of felt bad for him because you could tell like he he does lack some of the self confidence that he wishes he had to kind of help get him through some of this stuff because he's kind of just like I don't want to deal with this right now. He's like I'm away from everyone. I lost what he considers his family, and lost 
I mean, it's not that much time in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, if you're a soldier, four months could be a lot because your, your life expectancy is a bit shorter. So, I mean, losing four months of your life, waking up in a strange place with some elder beings, you're kind of just like, you kind of feel out of place. Yeah. And in the four months since that's happened, Lauren has died and Dujek's army is in rebellion, like yep. has been outlawed. So a lot has happened in those four months. Yeah. It's like out of all the four months, he could have been, he could have vanished. It was a busy four months. Yep. Uh, and then yeah. we get, we get Tool name dropping the name of the book. Yeah. Uh, Cause he explains that the, the animals are kind of staying away because of his influence and his power pushing out. And then talk is like ancient memories, memories of ice. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because talk's like, where is everything? And I thought that as well. I was like, oh, that is a good point. Like, I wonder where, because it's like a big plane, like, you know, where would all the animals? And so he's like, oh, I just scared them away, essentially. Yeah, my land warren around me, it kind of scares off animals. Talk gets a new name, arrow fail, yep. which means touched by stone. That was so funny. He's like, well, I didn't want a new name. He's like, too bad. You're getting it. He's like, you survived the Warren of Chaos. And he's like, and then you're here. And a stone touched you. So you got a new name. And talks like, okay, what's your name? Flawed Flint. <laughs> like, no hesitation. Or just breaks it down. Onos is clanless man. And then it's Flawed Flint. Yep. There are layers of meaning. I'd guessed. Yeah, I thought this was a uh, this like started to build up that like really coolness that I saw around the Talonamas was a tool here talking about the first gathering, but also the first empire and like his family and kind of how everything fell. Oh, but yeah. I was kind of just like, all right, where's the prequel book on this? I'm like, <laughs> that's what I want to see. I'm like, this sounds so cool. None of the, neither, yeah, none of the prequel books that we've gotten have touched on the Talonamas at all. So. Yeah. Okay, and then the much more interesting vision, I think, oh, of yeah. this chapter that Tuck gets, he he travels into Treach's mind and knows this is happening like simultaneously, presently, right now. And uh Treach, the first hero, tracked some Kachinchmal and was mortally wounded. Uh what did you think of Treach's reflections on the first empire? Um kind of crazy. Ascending I, first a while, dark savage. I was there at the end. One of the few survivors once the Talani mass were done with us. Brutal, merciful slaughter. They had no choice. Gods, we tore a war into pieces on that distant continent, turned the Eastlands into molten stone that cooled and became something that defied sorcery. Is that the Otaderol? That's that was my that, thought. That's what you think. That's yeah. what you think it is. And uh, if you'll remember, there's also an Azath house called Tremolor on Seven Cities that's holding down a piece of a shattered warren. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. And it's been there for a long time. Yep. And we saw Heberic and Felicin walk through a city where Talani Mass had slaughtered a bunch of Soul Taken. Yeah. So the first empire was an empire of Soul Taken, is what I gathered. It was an it was the first human empire, and uh -huh. then something happened regarding soul taken something catastrophic and so then the talana mass kind of just went in to shut it down mm -hmm. which that that's why i think what really intrigued me so much about the talana mass is like yeah they hunt jagut like 
as it's like an addiction. Like they literally became undead because of it. Yeah. But like, it's crazy to think like this roaming undead force for thousands upon thousands of years just keeps going around. Like any major problem, they somehow are there cleaning it up. It seems like. So that's why I think it's so cool about it. Cause I'm like, how do they just keep on going and going? Like, yeah, their numbers have dwindled a bit, but like they just, there seem to be there for all these big, really cool events. So I don't know. Yeah, like Pran Chol says, presence of the Kachin Shamal is was unanticipated and unacceptable. So we'll help you. Like, this has our attention now. So Treach, isn't he the god of Sunborn, the soul taken? No, he he so he's not the god of soul taken. Uh he he is a soul taken. He's the one that Quick Ben said earlier in the book had veered into his animal form and gone insane. Okay. So that's the same. I remember all the details, but I'm like, he's been mentioned before. Yep, he is the tiger of summer and battle. Okay. So he's not a god, but he is a first hero slash ascendant. Which is interesting. And here he is dying to some undead Kachinchamal. What a weak, weak ascendant. It's embarrassing. Uh, wh what did you think of his memories of seeing a, a wolf with one eye on a ridgeline somewhere in his distant past? I it didn't catch my attention too much, honestly. I didn't cool. didn't really think of much there. Uh did you figure out this was Kalava in this scene or did it take until next scene? No, I think I can't remember. I, I think it I don't think together. her name is said here. Okay. Like I like I don't think I instantly knew, but as soon as I like she popped up the next scene, I'm like, oh it's the same lady. There's things that like I noticed in his vision. But I'm like, I I don't I wouldn't know what to make of it. Some of these makes sense just because uh, how long it's been between some of the things. I'm like, ah, I'm sure I would get this, but not today. Uh, yeah. So speaking, this is what I was going to reference earlier with you talking about the Kalana MS and killing because Kalava says here that she has no skills in healing. And Trig says, no, only killing. Yep. Only killing. Yeah. So from my understanding, he died, died, right? He died, died. Okay. But then she comes up to the camp and she's like, ah, she looks at talk. I saw you. You were the other one staring out of Treach's eye. And he's like, which one? The one that you don't have anymore. Oh, yeah. I think it's interesting. Him and Prawn have been chosen in a weird way in some aspects. Because if you'll remember in Guardians of the Moon, talk says something about like, yeah, some people keep telling me that when you lose an eye, you gain third sight. And I don't quite believe them. And here he is. Here we are. I'm not going to lie. I was a little puzzled by the whole scene with Treach, though, because I was just like, he's just going to die right here. Like, what's the whole addition to it all? But I don't know. Probably see something or. Palava does say that she doesn't think that he'll appear at Hood's gate. That he'll be elsewhere oh that's right that's what i was asking because i was like it didn't she's the way it sounded was like he has another there's another place he's going yeah so but... he, this may confuse you even more hood is the god of death but you can die die without going through hood's gate hood hood is not the only only location hood is not the only path for dying that's so weird so is there like a final destination of death like hoods Raffo. just a way to go 
it's like the it's like the i15 or like the interstate of death it's like fast track your way through Raffo. and treach is like i'm gonna take the scenic route through the canyons the mountains but i don't know we'll find out i'll find out later <laughs> Uh, we've got a god speaking in Talk's mind. As a god does, because why not? Telling him that he's going to meet Kalava again, uh, and that he's sending him into the Seer's embrace, so that's fun. Poor Doc. <clears throat> he can't catch a break. I know. It's like, he, like, he just needs to get his vacation shirt on, have a coconut in hand, and chill on the beach. I know a rock had to hit him, and he had to go through a born of chaos. And gets paired up with one of the most famous Talana Mass and Lady Envy. You are now a main character of a story, dude. It's too late. Yep. Oh, speaking of, uh, Derek messaged me and said, thank Matt for unintentionally shouting out our podcast in our first episode of Memories of Ice. Because you said it's D&J's epic quest. And you said something about like, this seems like the start of an epic quest for talk. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, shout out to them. They're, they're, they're on this epic quest with Tark as well. Yes, they are. Uh, and then I think my favorite part of the chapter, Lady Envy, uh, traveling on oh, her yeah. own. City of 30,000 Kalos is just everyone's dead, killed by an inhuman fleet from the sea. So this is this is a current city that's been destroyed, right? This is This happened, Lady Envy says she thinks it happened less than 10 days ago. Okay. An undead ocean army. And he's yeah. like, this is only... He's like, you don't need to worry about it right now. <laughs> Clearly, Erickson being like, later. I know. When I read that, I was like, oh, who's this guy? Like, oh, this is cool. We got another We got another cool army to think about. And it was like, not right now. You, you got this other small skirmish to deal with, and then there's the grander scale of gods aligning to fight. I was like, ah, great. Kroll kind of chastises Lady Envy for not being present at the chaining of the crippled god. Oh, yeah. And she's like, why do I bow to you? And he drops. Yeah, what did you her. think? I was so Massive happy. Massive reveal about the Warrens. I was, I mean, anyone that's been listening for a minute knows Warrens. It's a love-hate relationship with them. I kind of thought this might make you be more upset and have even more questions. Oh, of course I have more questions, but it was a cool detail at least. It like gave me a little more information to think on. Um, Crow, yeah, Crow created the Warrens and anyone that uses them swims his blood. Yeah, because the heart is Dragon and Lady in the Darkness, right? Yeah, Curled Galane and Starveld Demolane. Yeah, and then she's like, well, who knows this? And a name I don't know, Osric, a handful of others, which a handful of others I don't know who they are. Draconis, seen him before, and of course, Anamanda Rake. Anamanda Rake, yep. So, kind of like the god of the magic, in a sense, I feel like. Kind of. That, um, it's kind of cool to think about, like, the, like, he is, like, one of the big ones then. Yep. You know, so I thought that was really cool. But he definitely needs to go see a Warren doctor, because uh, there's one filled with ashes, there's a few broken ones. Dude's not in good shape right now. And the crippled god is chained to burn and is spreading out throughout the other Warrens as well. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is he mentioned it as he's like, 
hey, once you get um, close to this, you can't use like certain powers anymore because it'll poison you or something. Or Yeah, it'll once poison you're talk. once you're close to the seer or something like that, it yeah, don't use your warrants because they're corrupted. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Like it adds more to my questions of like, okay, so what does it mean then? Because like if he is the main dude, Then is there like, you know, the is there other people of Warrens and then like the corrupting and interconnectedness of it all, I guess. But yeah. I did I did think this line was funny. Uh talking about the nature of the crippled god. Time will tell, as the mortals say. Oh, I know. I thought What's that was time so funny. to an immortal god? Well, that reminds me of how the Talana Mass are always when they're talking to someone, they're like, well, mortal. Like they make Yeah. it a point every time they talk to them to be like, you're mortal. I hope Yep. you know that, right? Like you're mortal. I'm immortal. Uh-huh. We also get some details about Dasimultor, Yeah, I was kind going to say. of, some hints at what happened to him at the chaining. What did you make of all of that? Uh, I'm like, this is really cool. I have no idea what half the stuff is, um, but I assume I'll learn a little bit more down the road. Yep. So This Dasim... this is one of those this is one of those scenes. I'm like, this is going to make it really fun for a reread. Yes. Because I'll be like, oh, I understand more of this now. Because, um, like, there's, like, some of the details, like, uh, or I just had it. Um, We have seen Dasimultor's name before. yeah, because he was with um, the Cotillion and Kellan bid. Yeah, Cool. so he was the first sword of the Malazan Empire. Yep. We heard about. Peron was Peron as the little kid in the Gardens of the Moon prologue was like, did you hear Dasimultor might probably die? Yep. Isn't he the one in one of the houses? Or His is, daughter. no, it's his daughter. It's his His daughter daughter. is in Tremorlore after being used by Hood, and then we find out here that Dasim was Hood's champion, and Dasim had grown to rival his power. And then from Dasim's fall, a mortal empire now totters on the edge of chaos. From Dasim's fall, the Shadow Throne found a new occupant. Yep. Like, there's a lot of things that came because of it, which I think is interesting. And... Like, I think there's an interesting scene as well, because I feel like it puts Lady Envy more in like we like I feel like she's been kind of whimsical and kind of just like off to the side. But like this scene kind of puts her more in the spotlight of like, hey, no, she's a she's a big deal type of thing, which I think this scene is really cool to do that. And it's uh, like it, it explains more of who Kroll is and like a lot of the. events that have taken place from the last hundred years and how they've like affected like to where we are now like this uh the paninian or panion or panera or whatever it's called is a uh, like just the start of something it's like a minor side thing like it really is like a minor thing that like a lot of the gods are like this is a deal like a big deal but it really isn't is kind of how it makes it feel Yeah, we, we also kind of get a scale of how old Lady Envy is, because she's like, were you and I companions at some point in the last 200,000 years? I don't think so. We've never been enemies, but we're not friends. And Yeah. then Kroll is like, oh, yeah, you use my blood every time you use magic. So shut up and listen to me. He's like, I don't know if you know this. She's like, wait, who knows this? She's he's like, Well, there's Rake, there's your dad, um, and a handful of other people. <laughs> Yep. Which is kind of crazy to think that she's this old and 
kind of powerful and didn't even know that. Yeah, it really does like make her be serious. Yeah. Because even before walking through the slaughtered city, she's like, oh, what a shame. I know. Like she seems out of touch and like even talk makes the comedy's like, what's she going to go do? Get more like bath oils or something? No, no, she's going to have a chat with God. Yep. Uh, anything else about her scene with Kroll? I thought it was interesting how they mentioned the crippled gods in Seeking Servants and talk is an ideal servant because of his oh, yeah. scarred nature, I guess. Um, so I think it um, I could see how there would be a lot of people who find the crippled god appealing at first. Like yeah. the old man we saw in the beginning. Yeah, because instead of struggling against suffering, you straight up worship suffering yeah. and imperfection. You just accept it and roll with it, which I think is an interesting perspective on all that. Yeah. So I think it, I thought that was a really interesting note that explained more of uh, the crippled god. Yeah. A minor character who apparently has a self titled novel. <laughs> a loser. Yeah. Come on. The guy you named the tenth book after doesn't even show up until the third book. I know. Yeah. No, I feel like book three, though, in this chapter really hammers at home is uh, the real setup of the whole story, which uh, I could see why Erickson initially had this as book two. Um, and why when they say when you read Malazan, you, you got to read the first three books now. Because book two, I feel like is is a better version of book one of like, here's what this world is. But book three is like the real setup of like, okay, this is what we're going to be exploring the next, you know, seven books. So. Yep. I just had the, the star Wars meme come into my head. This isn't going to go the way you think. Oh, I imagine this is going a million different ways, but uh, no, I feel like this one kind of sets no, more of the ground for a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. And then we get Kovian and the Talana Mass. They come up on the, the remains of Beaujolais and Corbel Brooch and company. Yep. And Corbel Brooch is giddy like a kid, like, oh, the Talana Mass, the greatest necromancer, like necromancy ritual ever performed. I need to go talk to them. And immediately, Prenchel he... basically, Prenchel bitch slaps him down the hill. And because he even he turns it to his friend, he's like, "Can I go talk to him?" He's like, "Please, can I go talk to them?" Yeah, and then Ekovian like, talking with Pranchol is like, "I don't like these guys." And Pranchol's like, "I don't either." Uh, we're gonna have to bring him, aren't we? He's like, eh, "If you want, we could kill them right now." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you see more through this thing. I'm like, uh, these guys are kind of weird, like not in the good way. No, no, not at all. And then after Brooch gets slapped down the hill, Beaujolais is like, so do these do these guys hold grudges? And Kovian kind of smirks inside, like, ask the Jagu. He's like, uh, no, no, they don't. No, don't no, no, they don't. Yeah. yeah, you don't got anything to worry about. Not at all. No, it was uh, this was a one of those scenes that kind of made him a little more disturbing of how they kind of rebuilt their carriage and everything. Oh, yeah. With the bones and the skin stretching across them yeah i'm like where did these two come from i don't like these guys whatsoever somewhere where they'd never heard of the malazan empire before apparently like these guys come from a completely different world like what's going on here 
I mean, remember, we've only been on two continents and the Malazan world is slightly bigger than ours. It's true. Yeah. So, Doesn't the empire, didn't they stretch to three continents in total? Yeah. So they, at the start of Gardens of the Moon, they control like the eastern half-ish of seven cities. Um, all of Quantali, which is a smaller continent, probably like half or two thirds the size of Australia. Okay. And then they've got most of Genabacus. Mm-hmm. Well, until well, and until a certain thing. Well, I was yeah, I was talking about the start of Gardens of the Moon. So <laughs> no, I know. I, I was know. I was correct. You you were correct, but now you're not correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's just weird to think like where where these guys come from. That's my that's what keeps going through my mind. Yeah, I mean to me, they have better communication and transportation i feel like than our ancient world but even in like the 1600s your average person living in south america had not heard of the british empire it's true one of these days we'll learn about these weirdos who they really are well i won't say anything (laughs) careful now i mean they have six novellas dedicated to them so really there's that yeah the the tales of the tales of Beaujolais and Corwell Brooch. I have, I have, oh. set one one through three and four through six in two separate books sitting on my bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea about any like the ex- the extended books, so I didn't know that was a thing. Erickson does play into the trope of eunuchs being disturbing. Corwell Brooch is a eunuch. That's right. I mean, the little bit I read of uh, Game of Thrones. What was one of the na- there was Varys. one unique Varys, I think it was. Yeah, no, they're they're not they're strange. So, In um, fantasy, they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the mortal sword and the destriant meeting with the prince, uh, talking about how stupid the mass council is because they want their soldiers to strike the first blow in the holy war. So dumb. And hold the towers outside of Capistan's walls, and they're like, those are just going to turn into fortifications for the enemy. I know. And the uh the detail of this the towers will be isolated, dismantled, every soldier within slaughtered, then raped. Yep. It's not gonna be a pleasant experience if you go that no. way. No. No. Not at all. Uh the Talani Mass show up. I don't really have anything about this other than that's funny. Meeting really. I mean, I thought it was funny. How they're just like, who are these guys? Talana Mass. Well, you see, they have three different skins uh, due to their soul-taking abilities. Those are their soul-taking forms. Mm. Uh, Carnitas, what's this gathering? That's our business. Well, that shuts one door in all of the questions I was going to ask. He's like, uh, let's see, what else can I ask? Uh, how long have you been alive? Not, don't worry about it. We think that the Panion Seer is not what you think he did. We think it's Jagged-related. Well, I've seen him, and he's an old man. And who's the guy in the shadow? What guy in the show? That's not a thing. Okay. I Every time, like, I think I was going to bring this up earlier. Every time I read about the Jagut disappearing and moving around as dust, I think of the Harry Potter movies oh, and how the Death Eaters the move. The, oh, yeah, the eye mass. Um, who did I say? You said Jagut. Oh, the Jagut. Same thing. Just kidding. <laughs> if they're real, they'd not be happy. Um, No, but I just think of the Death Eaters, like how they move around in the movies. 
in Harry Potter, like the black cloud of dust and whatever. That's how I think some of the Amos, the Tawana Mass move a little bit. I mean, they, they, do, they move without being seen. Yeah. So, like, I know, I know that's not exactly how, but I think it, yeah, it's kind of like an, like an invisible version of that. I mean, in the, in the last book in Deadhouse Gates was one of them traveled up to the rent in the Warren to seal it. It's true. Then it could look like that. Yeah. We've gone way longer than I thought we would. I know. There's a lot more to this section than I thought there was. Anyways, what did you think of uh, Brucalian's meeting with Gethal? It's hilarious. He's like, so we're going to make a contract. He's like, we can't do a contract. He's like, you you mortals in your contract. He's like, that's not. <laughs> we can't break it. He's like, that's not how this works. He's like, we are with Fenner. It's a different thing. He's like, well, Fenner's going to go away anyways. He's like, doesn't matter. He's like, not if I have anything to say about it. Yep. <laughs> like, come come be with Hood. Like, it's you guys are noble. You don't need to die here in the city. Uh, so your god wants us to change allegiances. Okay. And then uh Brukelian just has like the best line ever here. Allow me on Fenner's behalf to comment on the question of honor. Slices Gethel in the face and come forward again, and I shall resume my commentary. And I love his responses, drawing his sword, and then the three bone casters pop up behind him. They're like, ah, you're a slippery fellow. We've been looking for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my favorite thing of the chapter is Gethel is like, you stay back or you'll like you'll have to deal with Hood. And they like they lift their bony hands and it's like, what do we why do we care about Hood? Like, have you seen us? <laughs> have you seen what we did? Hood is not something we have to worry about. Yeah, and then Gethel just kind of Hood is pissed. You get the feeling he just pulls him back, and the IMS are like, "Yeah, we've been looking for him for millennia. Apparently, he'll do anything to escape us, include serve another god." Exactly. Oh, that was so good. But uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, Harlow's dead, and uh, Gruntle immediately lashes out. Kuruli comes up, and he's like, "Go to Hood," which is their it's their version of "Go to Hell." Yeah. Or Gruntle. Oh, and then the one uh, Bargast? The yeah. one dude died as well, N- so they lost a Bargast. N- Neetok, I think, is his name. The youngest one, right? Yeah. And Gruntle gets mad at Harlow, too, because Harlow jumped in front of the blade to, that was that would have hit Gruntle. So, survivor's guilt. Yeah. That's always great to deal with. Yeah, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, poor Gruntle. Yep. And that's chapter seven. Short little thing. Yep. Some fun information. Well, we're not exactly done here, so we'll be back with chapter nine and however we have you edit this. I don't know. Uh, there'll probably be like a three second gap and then we'll just say we're back. And we're back with chapter nine, uh, 13 days after we recorded chapter seven, because the holidays mm. happened. And we still didn't finish recording chapter eight. No, we're recording chapter nine, and then two days from now, we are recording the second half of chapter eight with Derek and Justin. This is all sorts of weird orders. Yeah, no, this is going to be, it's crazy now to think that we're past them. And I and, like uh, I was thinking about it, but it's pretty wild. We're, re- we're recording this on January 2nd, and there hasn't been an episode that's come out for two day, two weeks either because holidays happened. So I guess it's good um, that we haven't really recorded for two weeks everyone's gone a break i mean for those that are super fans uh we thank you and we're (laughs) 
apologize for any weeks of out episodes, but I don't think I mean, we ever brought that up. We got a uh, Spotify for podcasters thing, and there were like 20 of you that made our podcast the most listened podcast of your year last year, which is insane. Kind of wild. So thank you to everyone that listened. Yeah. It's uh well for those that are listening as well, welcome to twenty twenty four, even though this will probably be like what the end of January by the time they finally hear this. End of January, yeah, probably. So but still either way. That's that's not too late to say welcome to twenty twenty four. Yeah. Or very early Merry Christmas. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Happy um let's see. Early happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. I was trying to think of a holiday that's not American specific. I was going to say, Nat, if you're in the States, I looked it up because I jokingly talked about this because I found out we have personal holidays now, like one personal holiday a year, I guess we get to use. I was oh. like, I'll just use our national pizza day. And I found out at least according to the United States, it's uh, February 9th. So that's a Friday. I already worked that day. So I was like, yeah, I don't need to take a day off, but <laughs> as well. All right. Anyways. Um... Chapter 9, I guess. Talk and Lady Envy discuss the Talani Mass and their gods, what happens to souls after death, and the Panion Domen. Kachain Shamal attacks, and the three Segula chop off its arms and head with seemingly no effort. Tool attempts to challenge Mock, but Envy stops it. The group reaches the first border town of the Panion Domen. Tool disappears into dust, and Envy makes Balejag appear smaller. They are welcomed into the town's temple, passing corpses hung on hooks along the walls. They meet with Seer Doman Cult, who attempts to convert them. Envy is fully aware that the Doman is planning to kill them, and she, her wolves, and the Segula slaughter the temple. Envy almost coerces Tok to kiss her, but decides against it. They discuss the Doman and how odd it is that there's no evidence of farming needed to keep an army going. Tok begins talking about his birth. They reach Bastion and are escorted into the city by three priests who describe the origins of the Panion Seer and the children of the Dead Seed. The mob of Teneskari attacks and Tok flees the group, believing he will not survive if he stays. He joins the mob. Oh yeah. Like I was saying before recording, it's not super it's not a super packed chapter. No, and like I feel like it just drops like some unsettling information about the Oh yeah. This religious war. Yeah. We already knew about the children of the Dead Seed, but we get some more about that. Yep. And as you're like I should have looked through this, so for anyone out there listening, I haven't read this since like two weeks ago, but when you started describing some of the things, it was like very vividly coming back. I was like, oh yeah, that was very disturbing. (laughs) I forgot that happened. Let's see. Uh, In the first section, Envy makes a total boomer comment. Your interruptions are most rude, young man. Are you typical of your generation? If so, then the world is indeed on a downward spiral into the abyss. Hey, I mean, when she's been alive as long as she has, I think any generation to her that's a little snarky is probably going to be like, what is happening to this world? Yeah, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. It's on my thoughts. Envy teases talk about, what if Hood does nothing with your soul after you die? Yeah, isn't it... Isn't this the part where it kind of says you get to pick your own path, or I guess, after death? And most um, just go to hood. I don't know if choice is necessarily mentioned. Uh, Talk says something like we die and our soul passes through. I suppose it's up to hood or one of his minions to decide what to do with it, if anything. 
And then she teases him about like, what if he does nothing? And then they use that to move on to the Talani mass that they've cheated death in their eternal war. And Tool doesn't even know if there's any Jagut still alive. And that kind of shocks talk. Oh, yeah, because they start contemplating. I I did think this was an interesting note to bring up because remind me of something I think I mentioned a while ago. I was like, so what is the point of this afterlife setup if like you're just going to Hood's place? Like you just chill? Like what do you do? So I think it's uh I mean it sounds like she doesn't even she may not know either. And she's just kind of like messing with him. But like when she describes like oh when she describes like well if you think of his acolytes and like the bloody flies and all this other gross and like horrible things, I was like thinking, yeah, Hood's place doesn't sound too great if you think about it. Yeah, when not, it just sounds not like particularly death and decay. She does hint that maybe there is other there are other paths beyond Hood because she talks about the second ritual of gathering and Tool, like, not Tool, Talk takes that to, like, what if it was an end for the Talani Mass? Because they've outlasted their own gods. And so mm-hmm. there's not someone, there's not something or someone waiting to take their souls in. And so she kind of poses, like, what if it, once the Talani Mass are gone, because there's nothing there to receive them, because they've already cheated Hood. Yeah. What if it's just oblivion and talk kind of goes, you know, they might they might want that. Yeah, like kind of like the endless just nothingness or something. Like cease to exist. I mean, isn't it you did oh, wait, you mention no. it? No, talk talk doesn't want that because Tool is his friend. Never mind. Uh, that's true. Is this where did you mention already like Treach and how he didn't go to Hood? That it, was in it, chapter seven. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think it was chapter seven where, um, cause Kalava comes to hold Treach as he dies. And she says that she doesn't think he's going to hood's realm, that he'll end up somewhere else. Which like, it makes me think, uh, like when you're brought up the whole, like hit her baiting on about hood's realm. I think that's why I mentioned, it. I was like, do they have like some degree of choice? You know, I wonder if like where they end up. Or is Hood just too quick and he's just like, nope, got you already. Like, you're not, they're not knowledgeable enough about any other location. Sorry, listeners. It's been about a week and a half since I read this, too. I know. Uh, the Kachain Shmal attacks and the Segula, two of them chop off the arms and then Mock, like, slices off its head and holds it on his swords for a second. Like, seemingly without effort, they chop up a thing that decimated Gruntle and crew. It was uh, blindingly fast. Yes. As they say. Which blew my mind, because if we think about it, with the Kachin Chamals earlier, they lost like a a few of the Talanamas against them, right? Yeah. What was it? Five or ten of them chopped up like 40 Talanamas, something like that? Yeah. So just kind of crazy thing that these guys, before the thing could even move, completely decimated it. Yep. So it makes me okay. wonder if like tools beat him up, like how good tool is compared to the other Talana mass, you know? Well, tool is the first sword of the Talana mass. Oh, that's right. Let's see. And then tool kind of stares at mock and like, I couldn't have done that. And then he, he gets taken over by the challenge too. Like I have to, I have to face him. I have to prove my worth. 
And Envy yeah. just knocks Mock out with magic. Like, no, this is not happening right now. She's so fed up with these challenges. Yeah, she is. Which I think is so funny. I'm not she talking just... to you, Talana Mass. And then she crosses her arms and turns her back. There's a lot of that. She puts him to sleep and they're like, what are you going to do with him? Oh, they'll just drag him along. Don't worry about it. What a lovely woman. Why, thank you. I didn't excuse me. The quips between him and her are just so great. Yeah. She's a... Like, I feel like Erickson has written her as like a very kind of like... Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious, I feel like, being called Lady Envy and like a immortal being. But like just her self-confidence and just like how she carries herself. It, I think it's actually kind of impressive as well that how talk interacts with her. Yeah. Like envy is totally like she's a version of the seductress character, but it still feels like so genuine <laughs> at the same time. Like it yeah. doesn't feel like the, it doesn't feel like your typical, like, because I, I feel like lots of times in fantasy when there's a seductress character, it's just the author indulging in his own fantasy. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it feels a little off for you, like something's amiss. Whereas yeah. here, it feels like I and I feel like that shows more of Erickson's just ability to write is just kind of how real some of these characters feel and like just how well, like flush, fleshed out and just that they they come across as fairly genuine, even when they're meant to be ingenuine. Yep. We get our first look at uh, inside the Panion Domen. They've got the villagers on hooks hanging from the temple wall. That's that's that, fun. Ugh, that was gross. I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered how places smell in fantasy, like the cities and the the places? I don't think so, like I've like it's not until maybe the past year or so where like I'll think about it. I'm like, I wonder what it smells like. Like what the <laughs> like? I feel like that's a little weird but this is one of those places when the thought crossed my mind i'm like i'm glad i'm not there i'm sure that place is just gross to look at you feel uncomfortable and it smells terrible it's got a stink with all of those bodies hanging up i think talk even mentions how bad it stinks like he's pretty grossed out and i mean coming from a soldier who's probably seen some of the worst of it i feel like he has a pretty high tolerance so for him to walk through and be pretty grossed out then that's pretty yeah before they get to the temple, yet another uh, example of Erickson swinging between humor and then going into hor- like horrible stuff. Envy puts her armor on talk. Walk with me, dearest. There, isn't this nice? The brushing contact of our hips, the sudden familiarity that sends the heart racing, the dampness <laughs> of the rain matching. And then talk goes, yes, yes, lady. Please, no more details, else my walking proved most awkward. <laughs> I, I I remember there being some awkward scene like that. I just forgot that I was here. Yes, that's such an amazing scene. Oh, I believe I have finally succeeded in charming you. He's like, uh, yes, yes, you have. It's like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Does getting a boner around a beautiful woman count as being charmed? I don't uh, think so. To her, yeah, yeah, I think it counts. To him, no. <laughs> They get into the temple. They start talking to the Seer Doman guy. My companion is named Talk the Younger and my bodyguards Senuth the Rule and Mock. Do you wish the names of my pets as well? And Talk thinks, you just gave them, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone is to her. So isn't... So I did have a question. So she makes them appear smaller. 
But what are they exactly, the two animals? Oh, so she, I think she just makes um, Bale Jag appear smaller. Bale um, Jag is an A, one of the ancient you... wolves of the Talane Mass. Okay, okay, that's right. So it's it's one of those giant wolves, and then Garath, I think, is just like a a big dog or wolf kind of thing. Because it it it's mentioned a little later. We'll probably, we'll probably get to it, but it they it compares one of them to the like a hound of shadow, in terms of like he's a little scared of it in that sense, or the power it emits, or kind of the yeah. presence of it. So the I just looked it up on the wiki. It says Garath is an unusually large dog, um, and the one mm. that talk makes the comparison to a hound of shadow is Bale Jag. Okay, that makes sense. Did you? I don't know. Maybe this was just me, but them entering this place kind of gave me like Lord of the Rings vibes, like just kind of a desolate, like post-apocalyptic feeling area where it's like there was once this great thing and now there isn't, and now it's just hold up by these creepy, icky things. A little bit, yeah. yeah. That's what um, it kind of remind me of. They do mention that there's like no evidence of people living there or farming. Because the peasants who don't join the cannibal army starve or are killed. And then a cannibal army doesn't need farming. Doesn't need no. food grown for it. Which is just like, it's so illogical to me when I hear things like that. I'm like, do you not understand your supply is dwindling as you're going on into a fight? And then it's even less so. Well, the logic is you get to a fight. And all of the enemy and all of your side that dies are now food. But they spoil so quickly. I mean, make a fire. Make a fire? Make a fire and cook yeah. it. Take it with you. It's true. It's smoked. But then you got to worry about, like, it's like just regular animals. You can't just, like, leave the insides because the insides will spoil and poison everything else. I don't know. I don't want to think too hard about that now that I think about it. <laughs> and then... uh the Seer Doman guy tries to convert them, sees that they won't. Typical, yeah. like, stern priest guy. And then yeah. he leaves. And uh, I I love Envy's little paragraph here. Eat up, my love. Belly filled and content before we receive our reward. And Tuck's like, oh, they're going to kill us? You and I, yes. I suspect the Segula will be given a proper escort or some such thing. Bale Dragon Garath will be butchered, of course. Here, try this. It's delicious. Before dawn, as my guest, the fire in our veins released to greet the sun's rise with some such thing equally pathetic. Then again, we could embrace the faith. Do you think we'll convince him? What kind of fruit is this? Tastes like a soldier's foot wrap. He's made up his mind, you see. Just imagining the scene, like just her rambling like that. Rambling and then being like, oh, try the wine. It's uh, it's wonderful. With talk, just dumbfounded, staring at her kind of like jaw, maybe half open. Uh, she does have a brilliant quote in the middle of her ramble, though. Uh, have you ever noticed how language can be twisted to mask brutality? Yeah, it's a good line. Yep, just look at news headlines. It's true. Actually, that's a good comparison to mask brutality. Wouldn't that also count for like passive aggressiveness? Now that I think about it, maybe, maybe not. This is a total side thought I had, but I've always wondered what the food is like in fantasy. Like what it always like, I always wonder what it tastes like, like the different kinds of exotic fruits that don't even exist, you know? Yeah. They mentioned that the meat there is Bedarin meat, which you can think of as like bison. Yeah. 
I've never had bison, I don't think. Me neither. I know you can get it, but... Are the Panyans interested in such conveniences as plumbing, do you think? Nobody's interested in plumbing, Lady Envy, but I'm sure they worked something out. Is this them talking about the bath later? Yes, yeah, or... near the end of her ramble. She's just like, oh, I hope the beds are comfortable. Do you think they've got plumbing? I'm sure they do in a temple. If any place, I feel like a temple would have plumbing. Yeah, and then think of this next scene from the uh, from the Doman people's point of view. It's it's a horror scene. Talk wakes up to a blood curdling scream right outside his door, and you've got three masked warriors and two giant wolves hunting down people in the temple, just slaughtering indiscriminately. Like that's a horror movie. It really is. Yeah. And then Lady Envy had boiled some people in the tub. And doesn't he like puke? He does puke. Yeah, no, I it, it yeah, now you mention it, that really is. No, I, I remember reading that and I was like, that would be like I wouldn't want to be on either side of that personally if I was like a, a spectator or like one of the priests. Like if I was talk or one of the priests, that'd be a horrible experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the or the, the Sagula, is that how you say it? Wonder yeah. what they're I wonder what they're thinking with their skill level. Like, is this just like practice? You know, is this just keeping them making sure their weapons work? Or do they Yeah, I don't think this was hard for them at all. I wonder if they like enjoy it. But yeah, no, for those well, priests, that sounds miserable. Envy mentions like so the Seer Doman, who's supposed to be like the best warrior there at that temple, he had a single thrust wound through the heart. And Envy says that his axe was everywhere, but it seemed that Thirul, who's the lowest ranked of the Segula, barely moved. And then he like lazily reached out a sword and stabbed the dude through the heart. So it like it didn't challenge uh, them at all. So I forgot about that scene. No, those guys didn't stand a chance. Kel hunters are converging on us. See, now aren't you glad that I insisted you get some sleep? You know, he. Oh, I love this is another one of those scenes that like cracks me up about Lady Envy. I mean, we've mentioned it, but she's like, that armor proved fatally heavy, alas, she said, oh. regretfully. Her eyes on the corp- corpses in the pools, then brightened. Oh, well, come along, you two. Yep. <laughs> um, They're warrior they le- priests, and there's 20 of them. Yep. Dang. And they uh, they hang oh. all of them up on the hooks. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a... No. Lady Envy stops at, like, a border post... And there's glyphs in an ancient language that she says is Genestelian, which is an archipelago halfway around the world. So that's just a fun detail thrown in there. Genestel colony. Yep. Didn't we hear about a mystery seafaring people? Yes, we on? did hear of a mystery seafaring people. Hmm. I wonder if there's any relation. There might be. But then, like Talk says, your colony was conquered, Lady Envy. It's always the way, isn't it? A civilization flowers, then a horde of grunting savages with close-set eyes show up and step on it. Malazan Empire take note. And then Talk quotes Emperor Kellenred, never ignore the barbarians. Surprisingly wise, what happened to him? He was murdered by a woman with close-set eyes. Uh, But she is from a civilized stock, if you can call them civilized. If you could call them civilized. It's a good point. Near the end of this section, Talk starts talking about his birth. 
I was born on a ship, you know, and it was more than a few days before my father set forward to acknowledge it. My mother was Captain Carthron Crust's sister, you see, and Crust had a temper. We've uh, heard the name Carthron Crust before. Where did we hear that? Meeting at the beginning of Deadhouse Gates. Uh, talking about the start of the Empire, Duarca mentions that Carthron and his brother and someone else, like, all quote-unquote drowned mm. in Malaz Harbor after the Emperor disappeared. Gotcha. I love it how she compares him to Rake, though, just a little bit before. <laughs> Take a few deep breaths, Lass. He always said that, too. Oh, this is infuriating. I just uh, imagine her stomping her foot at that, like throwing a tantrum. I know. I am I am so happy he finally got her. He found the button to push. <laughs> and then they enter the city, and we learn that the... Uh, the first child of the dead seed, Anaster, is now the leader of the Tenescari. And uh, that even gets to Lady Envy. Like, we've seen her boil people alive and confront a whole slaughtered city without blinking. And then the children of the dead seed, like, they take her aback. It's good to know she has her limits. Yep. And then Talk joins the army, or joins the Tenescari, because he doesn't think he'll survive with Envy. Nope. And the Tenescauri is the the city people, right? They're the cannibal peasant army. So then he kind of like runs with them. Yep. Which some people have thought is a stupid decision, but you also have to remember that just a couple chapters earlier, a god does speak to talk in his mind and say that they're going to send talk into the heart of the Doman. So I think this is that god influencing him as well. But also... I think 100%. it kind of has a point that he won't survive. Yeah, because isn't like them. they're starting to like the like the this whole group comes in, the priests flee, and it's just Envy and her peeps standing there. Envy, Segula, and the wolves, yeah, and Tool. So like yeah. they're they're gonna do a lot, but it's like hundreds or thousands of peasants just blindly yeah. attacking. And like, if I was Tool, like I don't know how much I trust him to be able to protect you. In that case. And when you can kind of blend in with them, you might you might as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only danger is that you might end up being a cannibal. So there is that. There's that. Yeah. You have to weigh your pros and cons here. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I don't have too much more to say on chapter nine. It's a very, it's not filler, yeah. but it's not as much happens as in it's like a, it's like chapters. A, one of those bridge chapters. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, I when you said I don't have much for chapter nine, I, I'm like, this is the first time we had I haven't made one of those jokes that's like nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those, even when you're reading the summary, I was like, I don't feel like much happened here. Like there wasn't much to discuss. But we will make uh, up for that next week because uh, we're going to be reading chapters 10, 11, 12 and 13 to finish up book two. Are we reading how much? I know I remember how much we're reading. It's been too long. Yeah, so we're reading 10 through 13. It's only about 90 pages, so it's not too bad. But that will finish up book two of Memories of Ice. I'm excited. I didn't when I was flipping through this to kind of skim through some stuff, I didn't realize how far we've gotten into this. So yeah. it's exciting. Yep. Yeah. So uh how was that, Todd? 